This is Bragg, son of Balin, and you're listening to Light the Beacons, a Lotro podcast. Welcome to the world of Middle Earth. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Light the Beacons, a Lotru podcast focusing on the addictive MMORPG, Lord of the Rings Online, as well as related topics and books, movies, gaming, and the lore of J.R. Tolkien. We may actually hit some of those other things tonight. This is episode number nine. I'm your host, Bragg of the Lonely Mountain, leader and dwarf of ill repute, back after a week's time. All those thinking or perhaps hoping that I'd quit after a mere eight episodes were incorrect. I've always thought that nine would be fine. My first thought for the evening is, again, why am I here? We've got new content, and I have not played a lick of it this entire week. Not a login. I am languishing at level 96. So sad. All around me, I hear the siren calls of the Ding 100ers. And I have been tied to the mast of the Argos, pleading with my viewers to unlash me. Of course, viewers can't physically do that. They can only view. And, well, technically, their viewing ability is is somewhat under investigation, this being a podcast and all. But I digress. Uh, We'd better get on with it. There's so much time and so little to do. Let's light our first beacon. I'm on Dean. So... What's up for our agenda this week? First of all, we have a viewer comment. No, they're not viewers. Um, None to date. However, a shout out to Braxwilf, who complimented my Ray Parker Jr. parody from last week on Twitter. I've been contacted by the estate of Harold Ramis about doing an Oathbusters 2 remake, but the project is currently held up in script rewrites, and last I checked, Bill Murray is not returning my calls. So in this week's episode, we are going to talk a little bit about what we have not been doing in-game. We're going to discuss some special locations in the game. As a sorbet, to cleanse the palate, we will talk about some other games on my radar screen. Uh, We'll review the wonderful world of Lotro NPC voiceover greetings. And lastly, if there's any time remaining, we will talk to Lindsay Buckingham of Fleetwood Mac. That'll be exciting. As always, there's much to talk about. So let's light our second beacon. Ilanoch. This week in Lotro. This week in Lotro is uh, quite a long list. Let me see. There's Zero, Zip, Zilch, Nada, and Butkus. Zero, Zip, Zitch, Nada, and Butkus. This week in Lotro. Um, yeah. Uh, so as I mentioned, uh, I just got last week's podcast out before I headed out of town. Uh, coming back from a weekend that was uh, so good that I can hardly remember it. 
Um, I needed some recovery time, so I've been lying on the couch watching, uh, trying to catch up on season three of Game of Thrones. Uh, difficult to pull myself away from that to even do this podcast. I love that show. Um, the original books were good. This is one of the rare occasions where I actually think the adaptation might be better. Um, they did an excellent job of picking all the actors out uh, to represent the characters about as well as they could be done given the sprawling epic that they're encompassing. So, um, I have not been playing Lotro. Uh, I have logged in just uh, today um, to get my bearings and see what's going on online. And, uh, you know, all around me I hear, as I mentioned, the Ding 100ers. Um, so, you know, there are people, clearly, that have, you know, uh, raced through the content, um, uh, obviously, within hours of going live, there were level 100 players running around uh, and back out in the moors in some cases. And, uh, you know, certainly a higher and higher percentage um, as the week is worn on. And there's plenty of other normal people that are puttering around and maybe gaining a half a level here, half a level there, and enjoying the scenery uh, just a bit more, perhaps. And uh, I have noticed, you know, I try to keep an eye on the chat because uh, usually it gives an indication of what the next big thing is going to be for this content update. What are people calling for? You know, typically they'll gravitate towards um, the easiest instances, raids, or landscape content that provides high-end rewards, uh, you know, level 100 symbols, um, symbol drops, and so forth. That's, that's usually... Uh, been the pattern. So I've been uh, watching um, the New World channel at least a little bit to see what people are calling out for. So I have seen raids being formed to prance through Tarlang's Crown, uh, the new high-end um, you know, grouped content area. And I've seen some Sammy calls, of course, although I've heard that it's perhaps a bit more difficult than it was in the past. Um, they might have uh, tuned it just a bit. Um, I've also seen some people going out. What was the other instance that seemed popular? Uh, Os Dunhoth is seeming to attract some attention. Um, so, you know, I think people are looking for where the essence is dropping, where the symbol's dropping, and that's that's still evolving. And then, of course, I see people calling out regarding, um, you know, the new endgame, getting reputation and coins for all the different Dull Amroth uh, areas and I have not even uh, seen Dal Amroth yet in the game. I'm tempted, obviously, every time I log in to run over there with my horse and just prance through the town and see it. But um, I'm allowing myself to be caught up in the story and to have that sweep me towards the city. And right now I'm enjoying that. So hopefully I'll have patience and we'll proceed. But one of the questions that I brought up, since I don't have much to talk about what I've been doing in game. Is there something wrong with the Ding 100ers, or is there something wrong with me or other people that are leveling a little bit more slowly? So perhaps this question is a bit premature. Uh, the content's only been out a week, uh, but let's say that six months go by and my leveling is approaching Chris from Lotro Reportarian proportions, and I'm still at level 97. Uh, I'm sure there'll be plenty of people at level 97 uh, come a couple months down the pike. Of course, the politically correct answer is there's no way wrong to play an MMO. Whatever you enjoy or is important to you, you should be able to do, as long as you don't harm or annoy others. But that's the PC answer. There has to be a more interesting one. 
part of the culture of playing an MMO is achievement. Why do I want the best gear I can get? Well, uh, a couple reasons come to mind. Or why, why do I want my character to be the highest level it can be with the best gear? Um, you know what's fun? Rescuing a fellowship in an instance. Uh, if you've ever been a tank and uh, uh, on the verge of a wipe with the boss down to just a couple hit points and uh, everyone's dead and you know watching the, the fight play out and you're the last tune alive running in circles uh, trying to get that last big hit or set off your big skill and you happen to down the boss, you're a hero. You rescued the fellowship. Uh, you know, I've been with groups before where one tune was far superior than the others and uh, you know, was able to finish off content uh, after everyone else would be passed away. That's kind of fun to do, uh, to be looked at as a strong character that you know is going to hold their own when you're doing group content. Uh, it's nice to look cool when inspected. People inspect other people in the game all the time. I do it just to see what gear is out there that I might be want to be aspiring to. And, um, you know, it's nice to not to be turned down for a raid when uh, you offer yourself up to join, uh, which still happens in the game, unfortunately. Um, maybe it's nice to survive an extra few seconds in PVMP. might make the difference in getting a kill for your group on the other side or even hitting a sprint skill and getting away. So it's not surprising that this culture of achievement attracts competitive personality types that would want to race to endgame so that they could be the Sir Edmund Hillary of Lotro, if you, if you will. Um, if you took a more mathematical approach to looking at the question, uh, you know, I envision a bell curve. Of course, there's, uh, you know, there's... Uh, if you picture the bell curve, there's a lot of people that will be trailing. There's a lot of people in the middle that will take an average amount of time to go through the content. And, of course, on the front end of the bell curve, there will be those that uh, are there within hours. Um, there's a lot of people on the front edge of that bell curve that are going to be lapping the field with alts shortly as well. <laughs> um, you know, the fact is that as a <coughs> an older dwarf with all these annoying little time sinks like children, wives, jobs, yard work, golf, and macrame, I can never compete with the sheer time devotion to an MMO or even a group of games like, say, an eighth grader on summer vacation or a Japanese unemployed solo gamer. And if I'm going to play a game like Lotro, I've got to realize that and be okay with competing with myself. So those of you out there watching other people level and brag about it, no pun intended. Remember, patience is a virtue. And it's one that bestows in combat power regen, resistance rating, and physical mitigation. So cap it off at 18, guys. Let's move on to the next beacon. Nardal. Okay, for Nardal this week, I want to take a few minutes to jot down some thoughts on some special occasions of note in and around the game. And this was a list that I composed off the top of my head. There's plenty others. So I may do additional segments in the future. Um, and I'd like to ask you to write in and tell me about some that I didn't think about. Just a few little tidbits of interesting places in the game that the devs created um, that I enjoyed for one reason or another. For example, uh, if you are in Angmar and you are in Imlad Balkorth, you will find the uh, the pools of green water. Um, and if it's your first time in Angmar, you may not understand where that green water is coming from. You can see it 
kind of rippling down from a waterfall from the rocks up above, uh, but you may not understand exactly where the source is. However, if you proceed through Angmar and you're leveling your character and you go through a logical progression, you may run the instance Urugarth. And as you go through Urugarth uh, on the lower level, you may come to uh, what's called Fellwater Falls or the Fellwater Source that's draining down into Imlad Balkorth from above. And if you uh, happen to be in Urugarth and take a close look at the shoreline next to that green filth, you can see a spare tentacle of Helchgam that's watched up on the shore in front of the evil shrine uh, on the side near the wolf pens. Uh, so, uh, you know, great design by the devs to foreshadow the Helchgam instance that you will find in Karn Doom. Um, obviously, you'll get uh, very familiar with the green waters as you proceed through the sewers and as you do that instance. Uh, but the fact that it drains through Urugarth and you see a tentacle of Helchgam there uh, is a little neat little tip uh, that not everyone might have seen. And then, uh, obviously, polluting and filthifying the entire area of Imlad Balkorth. Um, just a great touch. Uh, I love the way that flows through the zone. Uh, here's another one. Uh, Kelid Zarem, the pool of water outside the east gate of Moria as you go down to Lorien. If you know the lore of Tolkien, you know that uh, the reflection of Kelid Zarem uh, will reflect the stars, and you will not see your own reflection in it. And uh, that reflection, I believe, is different from it, the, the reflection of any other water in, um, in the game. So the next time you're crossing out the East Gate of Moria, uh, take a minute to look into the pool and notice the difference. Uh, the devs did it for a reason. They knew the lore buffs were going to check and see if that was the case, and uh, great job in doing so. Um, another favorite moment of mine. It's, there's nothing like when it happens for the very first time, but I still get a kick every time I walk into the top entrance to Rivendell. And just as you cross over into the official zone line, uh, light shines down upon you as you cross over and highlights you briefly as you, as you enter the valley. Uh, neat touch. Love every time that happens. I think there's a couple other places in the game where that happens too. Uh, one that comes to mind is uh, when you approach Glorfindel up the hill from Elrond's house. I think you get that same lighting effect. So the uh, power of the Eldar, the light of the Valar is looking down upon you or something along those lines. Um, when I am in Northern Bree and I uh, run out through the northern entrance in the hedge, I always get a kick of the hobbit feet sticking out of the north hedge in Bree. Um, there was a bit of a cart accident there if you ever take a closer look at it. And, uh, uh, gee, that guy's feet have been kicking for six, seven years now. So uh, maybe one of these years we'll get him down from there. But in the meantime, I always enjoy running by that area. Um we were in Angmar previously. I'll dart back there briefly to talk about um, a uh, small area that they created in Karndoom. If you ever make it all the way to the top of the castle before you enter Mordrith's final uh, emperor chamber uh, or throne room, uh, if you go all the way down to the end of the hallway and go through the last door, you will find the Witch King's Balcony. Um, love this area. Every time I run that instance, which is, you know, 
uh, not as frequently as uh, used to in the old days, obviously. But every time you run that instance, I, I always love running out on the balcony and, and looking at the view uh, down across all the instances of Karn Doom that you can see from the Witch King's balcony. And uh, it's great to envision him sitting there looking down upon his little kingdom that he's created. And uh, it's one of the artistically best designed instances in the game. So the view is spectacular. Uh, plus, you need it to finish out a deed um, within the instance, so don't forget to duck your head in there. Um, how about the cow on the top of the house in Buckland that they're trying to lure down off the grass? It's eating the grass on the roof. Not sh exactly sure how they got it up there. I know the roofs aren't that high for hobbits, but would have been fun to see. Maybe he got catapulted somehow. Um... Spoiler alert, but if you're penetrating Goblin Town and you are on the hunt for Gollum's Cave in the depths of Goblin Town, uh, outside of the entrance to it, you may come across a cave painting that was done by the goblins of Gollum. And uh, it's done from the vision of uh, a terrified goblin that is trying to warn his compatriots not to... Uh, wander the tunnels alone and in the dark because there's a great monster that uh, is coming forth and uh, strangling people, uh, you know, invisible sometimes, uh, but sometimes seen with a ring. Although I believe if you look at the picture, in the picture he's wearing a ring on his finger. You can definitely see that. If he's wearing the ring, wouldn't he be invisible? I don't know. Maybe he's holding it in his hand. I'll have to take a closer look the next time I go and see. But um, fantastic touch, uh, whoever's idea that was, and beautifully executed. Uh, along those lines, uh, if you're in Moria, in the Gamalphilic area, in the Silvertine Lodes, um, that's the area with all the, again, goblins and orcs, uh, a lot of them stealth, so kind of a dangerous area on level. There is a cave painting there uh, done by the orcs of the battle against Durin. Um, east, and that would be before the East Gates of Moria, I believe. And you can see the little dwarf stick figures with little beards drawn on them running for their lives while the orcs chase them with, uh, with swords and spears. And, uh, you know, again, very well done, very in character. And, um, you know, a depiction of a famous battle from the lore. So this is one of my favorites. Next time you're down in Dunland... Um, do yourself a favor if you haven't done it before and complete the quest chain for the Dunbog all the way through to the end, past where you get through the uh, mutated camp and down to the, um, the, the, I believe it's the southwestern corner, uh, right before you go to the instance that gives you the look at Wolf's Cleft. Uh, as you run down there, there's a couple houses, there's two or three quests left before you're done with that whole quest line. There's a couple houses there. You have to pick up some things along the riverbank and um, uh, run around and finish off some last-minute things before you depart. And along one of the walls of the houses that are down there, there is um, a little warthog getting a bath. <laughs> he is sitting in a tub, and a little boy is scrubbing him, and he is on his back squealing with delight, and it is hilarious to see. Uh, so make sure to check that one out. Uh, the next time you're at Ended Waith, uh, if you are running up to the gates of Aust Dunhoth to open up that instance, because before you enter OD, you must uh, have found the gate physically in the game, which I appreciate always. I think everyone should know where the gate of an instance is located in the game. 
Uh, but before you run into the, I don't know, what would you call it, evil castle, uh, if you continue to the west of the gates, you will see a small cave. And outside the cave, there is a small white bunny sitting next to a pile of bloody bones. And most people believe that this is the developer's homage to the Monty Python, um, uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail uh, killer bunny of note. If you've seen that movie, you know what I'm talking about. And uh, again, I've run through the back of the cave and found a little area back there, but it is a dead end. But, uh, uh, you know, just every time I approach the bunny, I, I hope he'll turn into a million hit point monster that uh, hits you for 20k with his, uh, you know, leaping strike. <laughs> okay, here's one not everyone may know, a little, a little more obscure. Um, if you are questing in Angmar, uh, there is an area, one of the first group areas, I think, that was ever created in the game. Uh, obviously, in the shadows of Angmar days, uh, maybe outside of Dol Dinan, uh, is the Arena of Maythad. And the Arena of Maythad is an area filled with uh, trolls and Olaghai uh, trolls, you know, derivatives. And uh, so it's a dangerous area unless you have a group to go in. It's basically a giant stadium. And it has kind of walls surrounding it, a giant circle. It's filled with trolls, very dangerous. Uh, most of the times I've been in Angmar, I've been solo. So I have run into that area before with a small group, you know, people that I just happened to find in the area. Uh, but I never really explored it that gr that well because it is dangerous. And if you're there on level, you you got to keep an eye out for yourself. However, when I finally leveled a berg into Angmar... Uh, my Berg is now at level uh, 82 or 83, I believe, in Eastern Rohan. But uh, when she leveled through Angmar, uh, I was able to stealth and explore the area. And if you go into the Arena of Maythad and find your way up the cliff walls, you can actually uh, walk around the top walls on the outside, including these giant arches that go over the entranceways on the northeast, south, and west. And uh, I didn't even know that you could walk up onto those arches, which you can do. And if you do so, um, you will be treated with uh, a beautiful, if you time it right, sunset view of Angmar from on top of the arches in the Arena of Maythad. So next time you're in Angmar on a burglar or another tune that has uh, maybe elven stealth or hobbit stealth, um, or if you're overleveled so that you're not going to aggro everything in sight, uh, take a look around the arena of Maythad and uh, walk up onto the arches overlooking the the forest west of Ang east in Angmar and uh, enjoy the view. It's uh, really cool. Uh, sticking in Angmar, you may be starting to sense that uh, Angmar is one of my favorite zones. Lotro Reporter calls it Angry Mar, but I think of it as Angel Mar. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, not Angel Mar, because it's uh, not quite to that tune, but I do enjoy it uh, a good deal. And one of the things I enjoyed finding initially through exploration, uh, again, in a dangerous area if you're on level, is if you go north from Garth Forthnir through um, some of the little uh, cave walls that are uh, north of that, uh, north of that uh, little dwelling, you may find uh, Bogbreath's, the Bogbreath Raid, so caves filled with spiders until leading to uh, the level 50 Bogbreath Raid, which was probably one of the first raids in the game as well, I might add. And, um, you know, Bogbreath's, uh, you know, kind of hidey hole is, is off to the east, but if you wind your way to the west, 
there is one passage that leads up uh, from the spider caves and onto a mountain ridge line that leads back down into behind, you know, basically to the front gates of Karn, Karn Doom. And if you come up the main pathway, you're going to fight a lot of, uh, you know, pathing um, uh, Karlug and, uh, you know, trolls and Angmarum. Um, but if you run up the back stairwell staircase, um, there's only one roaming elite that you have to deal with up there. That would be the spider Akathling, which wanders that area. Um, and then it drops you kind of back door into a secret little entrance to near the doors of Karn Doom. Um, so that's a fun little um, shortcut to find. Uh, I'm sure some people have found it backwards by finding it, you know, from the gates of Karn Doom and heading east. Um, and uh, the hardest part is finding the right cave entrance to head up <laughs> while you're being chased, you know, by maybe 50 spider broodlings. But, you know, that's part of the game. Okay, so what else do we have? Uh, how about the Snowman Village in Dunland? Uh, just uh, off in the East Mountains underneath the, where the Storm of Methodris, uh, Storm on Methodris uh, Skirm Raid would be. Um, just south of the, the map area that uh, the Epic Quest Line takes you to. Um, you know, I guess they wanted to make sure that they were um, using all the graphics they created for the Winter Carnival. <laughs> And so they created a little small man village there that was fun to discover. And there have been a lot of these little Easter eggs in uh, western Rohan. There's the Goldilocks and the Three Bears cabin in Kingstead. It's a little bit south of Fenmarch. Um, there's the squirrel house in that area. There's the uh, house with a small family that just beat off an orc with a frying pan where the kids are laughing and skipping around the dad who's holding the frying pan. Uh, always amusing. And in the previous episodes, I mentioned the bunny bears that you find both in Wildermore and now in the Forest of Fangorn as well. So that was a quick jot down of some of uh, my favorite little Easter egg or fun locations and views in the game. Uh, why don't you leave a comment on the podcast and uh, mention a few that I didn't note, and I'll read them off in the next episode. Let's move on to the fourth beacon. Error loss. Okay, now comes to the part of the podcast where we hear a word from our sponsors. First sponsor this week is Helchgam Spa and Beauty Salon. This week's special, a deep tissue massage. Just wait till we get our tentacles on you. Helchgam Spa and Beauty Salon products will give you skin that unnatural glow. And remember, there's plenty of parking available at the new Carndoom Outlet Mall. And secondly, Barrow Brie. Barrow Brie, the favorite of incontinent balrogs everywhere. Try Barrow Brie with your mac and cheese. It makes a hobbitami fill up with glee and poison. All right, Helchgam and Barrow Brie. Let's move on to our next beacon, which would be... Min Ramon. Uh, in Min Ramon, I'm going to make good on my threat of talking about gaming outside of Lotro briefly. So I thought I'd talk a little bit about games I recently played, games I'm in the process of playing, games that never end, and games that I'd like to play or that I have queued up to play in the short term. Um, so here's some games I recently completed uh, that I thought were worthwhile. I did finish Assassin's Creed 2 recently, um, a game that I bought on the PS3. Uh, and, um, you know... I, 
I'm not a huge fan of this style of game. It was interesting to play as a change of pace. I didn't have any trouble picking it up. I was able to be successful in it. Um, I finished it all the way to the credits, which is always fun. Uh, the biggest attraction for me for this game was the setting um, of Florence, Italy. Uh, a beautiful town and a fascinating one. And the idea of running around Florence roof, rooftop to rooftop as, as, well the, as well as other areas around that area in, um, in Italy uh, w was uh, very appealing to me. They did the settings extremely well. Uh, there was a lot of interesting um, interplay with the climbing and scaling of the buildings, especially uh, you know on the Duomo for those who have been to Florence. Uh, they are definitely um, you know I'll, you can see that a lot of research went into trying to make it you know as authentic a feel as possible for the game area. So Assassin's Creed Two, I can't picture at this point picking up future Assassin's Creed games, uh, you know, the Pirate one, the Civil War one, but I enjoyed the one I played. Uh, you know, it might tempt me to look at the Shadows of Angmar game, because I know it's built on the same, uh, you know, the same engine as far as how combat is articulated and, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, the interface and so forth. Um, you know, I love the idea of running around Angmar and seeing how that's, uh, you know, how that's pictured. Uh, it's one of the things I look forward to most in Lotro is, is having a fully fleshed out, Ang uh, I'm sorry, Mordor to explore. So, um, Shadows of Mordor might be appealing for that. And, uh, you know, it's just coming out now, so certainly it's going to be at a premium for a while. But I've got so many games backed up that it's nice to be able to pick them up a year or two later on the cheap. And I may do that. Uh, another game that I finished recently, uh, maybe one of the most compelling games I've played this year, which is saying a lot. Um, uh, definitely want to recommend it. Uh, I picked it up on a recommendation from a website that I was reading. Uh, it's a game that's built for the iPad. It's called Limbo. Limbo. And it's, uh, it's, a, it's a game where... There are no rules, there are no instructions, um, and there's no guidance. You wake up as a small shadowy boy lost in a forest, and it doesn't even tell you why you're there or what you're supposed to be doing. You have to touch the screen to learn how you can control the figure, what he's capable of doing, and basically start to explore and figure everything out for yourself. Um, the game is atmospheric. Uh, it is creepy. With the music, it will make you jump. It is a cartoon, but it's got um, you know not recommended for young children. It's got some some images in it which, although cartoonish, are somewhat disturbing, uh, but heck of a lot of fun. You know, I think kids ten and up, um, you know, would be my recommendation for um, those that would you know be old enough to experience it and to figure out and be able to handle the puzzles at heart it is a puzzle game uh which is uh you know something that's very appealing to me and it's got an interesting message it's uh you know a bit existential believe it or not um it leaves kind of a philosophical question at the end of the game uh regarding you know what you've just experienced and allows you to reflect on it so it makes you think at the same time all that and uh, only a few hours of gameplay will get you to the end of the mysteries. So, uh, highly recommend it. Uh, very similar game that I finished uh, that I got off a recommendation from a Steam sale is a game called Two Brothers. Two Brothers is a game that you can finish in a few hours as well. 
uh, but is very artfully done. Is very different from a lot of games I've played. It takes a little while to get used to the controls. You basically have two brothers that you control, one with the right hand, one with the left hand. And um, the art direction in the game is excellent. It has another, again, a bit of a dark quality to it. Uh, but it's endearing. It's different. The puzzles are interesting. Uh, it doesn't take a lot of time investment to get through it. And I do recommend it for a lot of the same reasons that I like Limbo. Okay, so games I have in process. Um, you know, I, ha I still have some old Wii games that I'd like to get through at some point in time or another. I won't go through all of those, but uh, I am in the middle of a, of a Japanese game called Okami that some of you remember. It's years and years old at this point, but I found the, uh, the artistic design on it to be really interesting. Um, so I'm about, I think I'm about, I don't know, I think I'm really far, but I, you know, sometimes I look up a guide and it'll say you're, you know, you're a tenth of the way in, or you just got through the prologue and you're like, I spent hours on this. What are you kidding me? Um, so that is a game I'd like to finish at some point just so I could see the whole world rid of evil and flowered. And, uh, for those of you who have ever seen the game or played it, you know what I'm talking about. There's a interesting effect when you rid an area of evil and it all flowers and blooms with, uh, this, uh, great, uh, Asian kind of, uh, art direction effect. Um, playing a puzzle game, kind of a puzzle, half puzzle, half action game called A Boy and His Blob on Okami as well. Uh, I've got various Lego games, including the Lord of the Rings game on um, on the Wii that uh, you know my children have mostly finished. But uh, I go back and I play sometimes because I haven't seen most of it. I think you know, although we have Lord of the Rings on it, I think Batman might be the best of the bunch if you played it. It's got the most humor. Uh, it's just well written. It's uh, the characters are great. You know, it's one. Lego games is one of the few games, Lord of the Rings was the first one they did where they actually took the voiceovers from the movies and inserted it into the game. And believe it or not, I think it detracts from the game because uh, one of the things Lego does so well is uh, has the little vignettes in between the action sequences where uh, the characters express themselves just through, you know, signing and through grunting and through, you know, making motions and sound effects, you know, without ever speaking a word, and uh, usually they're hilarious. Um, and the Lord of the Rings one, because instead they're voicing the words from the movie, I think loses some of that humor that you normally find in a Lego game. Uh, if any of you guys have played it, let me know. Still fun, but uh, maybe not their best effort uh, as far as some of the Lego experiences goes. Uh, also bought uh, old 2D scrolling platform game, uh, Based on a uh, uh, based on a Steam Steam sale called Fez, uh, Fez. Some of you may recognize as um, an indie platformer game that was represented in what was the name of the documentary? Um, indie Indie Gamer, I think it was called. Uh, it was a recommendation that I took from uh, Moderate Peril that had watched the documentation. And I went and checked it out myself, found it very compelling. I remembered the name of the game, and when I saw the Steam sale, I jumped on it. It is a fun little distraction from time to time. I have no idea where I am in the game, not very far. Uh, but for the couple bucks I bought it for, a good deal. Uh, another Steam sale, yeah, you're sensing a theme here. Uh, I got the, a game called Darksiders, I think for free at one point. Some kind of coupon Um played a little bit of it. It's fun. You play a demon, kind of like, I guess, for those of you that play Diablo, it sounds like it's similar to that. 
Uh, I kind of dropped that game. Uh, could get back to it at some point. Uh, you know, parts of it were interesting. Uh, then I also found on sale, you know, because it's been out for two years now, a version of Skyrim at Best Buy, and uh, picked it up in a little a little pack with um, with Bioshock, which is another game I've had my eye on for a couple of years. Skyrim and Bioshock, I think I got the two of them for like twenty bucks, and uh, played a little bit of Skyrim. It looks amazing, and. Uh, I backed off because I was afraid of getting sucked in. I've heard people play it, you know, for eighty to one hundred hours and don't get to the end of all the places you can explore. Uh, so I definitely think that's a game I'm going to play extensively at some point. Um, I did get far enough t- in the game to understand that I liked it and to get some through some of the first major story arcs to see what it was like. But I've got a long way to go, <laughs> and uh, I might want to fin- finish off some of these other games that I'm in process with before I start new ones. It's always the problem with starting a new game that's all shiny and fun, is I hate leaving things unfinished. Uh, Then I've got a bunch of games I play that don't end, like Lotro. Uh, Well, it'll end at some point. They'll shut the servers down, but uh, it could be still a few years yet. Um, I have installed and have played at least to some degree Star Trek Online. Uh, it's obviously a free-to-play game. I haven't put a nickel in it. I've uh, been able to experience some fun stuff. I like the officer system. Um, you know, been able to... I don't even know what my grade is. I'm a, some form of lieutenant, lieutenant 17 or something like that. Uh, so I'm sure not very far in that game either as things go. But, um, you know, the biggest problem I find with Star Trek Online is I, it's a game I'd need to do some more research in to understand to fully enjoy more than I'm doing right now. Because half the things, uh, when they give you a quest, I have trouble finding them. The map is uh, unintuitive in my experience. The 3D nature of it takes some getting used to. And I spend a lot of time looking at all the little dots in the galaxies trying to figure out where I'm supposed to go. (laughs) Um, Secret World is a game I bought on a Steam sale for, I think, like five bucks. Um, I'd heard a lot about it from uh, monitoring websites for some time. And, uh, you know, the, the, you know, the total different setting from the typical space or fantasy sword and sandals MMO, uh, you know, was something that was attractive to me. So I have Secret World installed. I have a character. I'm running around in that first New England town filled with, uh, you know, swamp creatures and zombies. And uh, I could see myself getting sucked into that game more um, at some point in time. Right now, I usually play it when the Lotro servers are down. <laughs> Uh, but what I do like about it is how atmospheric it is. Again, uh, I, I love playing with full earphones on so I can hear the sound. And, uh, you know, it's creepy in parts. It's got some suspense to it. The The sound is excellent. And, uh, again, the way the images are represented keep, create that creepy vibe of mystery that's kind of fun. Uh, I do have a character in Dungeons & Dragons Online. Again, haven't put a nickel in that game. I played Dungeons and Dragons growing up in grade school and high school and still have all the stuff down in a tub in my basement. Uh, Every once in a while I take it out and look at it, all the dungeons I created as a dungeon master. So I thought Dungeons and Dragons Online would really be my thing. Um, But I have to tell you, after experiencing Lotro, I found all the metrics and all the numbers in Dungeons and Dragons Online to be a bit baffling. Even for someone that's played the game before, um, you know, I think, again, it would take a lot of research to understand what I should be doing to develop my character at this point in time. 
So I have a cleric that's running around Storm's Reach. He's got off the initial island. He's in Storm's Reach. I've done a bunch of the dungeons in there solo. I've never grouped, um, never been in a kin to help show me the way. I think that might be the answer, is finding a playing partner, either in that game or in Secret World, that can um, help accelerate the learning curve, um, Star Trek Online as well. And lastly, if you are looking for one more little great time waster, I don't have a... Okay, we've been through PCs, we've been through iPads. Well, when I'm on my iPhone, uh, the game I like to play is Clash of Clans. So I have a son, young son who plays Clash of Clans and um, decided it would be a fun way to interact with him uh, when he's doing that. So I created my own clan and building up a little village. And, um, you know, it's a simulation game at its heart. So um, I think uh, the, the thing that they've done right is they've really found a great sense of balance. Um, I like the game because it feels like I'm building something and not just wasting my time, you know, by improving my village over time. Every time I'm able to upgrade something or build something new, it's, uh, you know, it satisfies that, uh, that desire to like advance in a game, um, you know, and not just be mindlessly, you know, playing uh, jewel bejeweled or something like that. But at its heart, it's a simulation game, and what they've really done right is to find a good balance in the PvP aspect when you're attacking another village. Um, you know, there's definitely an element of strategy and the types of troops you pick, where you place them, the timing of when you put them down, based on how the defenses are laid out. So it's a simple game that has layers, which is maybe the best kind of all. All right, so other games I have queued up that I have bought, either on Steam sales and bargain bins that are sitting there, uh, Drake's Deception, which is one of the top games from a couple of years ago, looks like an indie uh, Indiana Jones kind of a deal. Um, I think I bought Tomb Raider through Steam Sale for f the latest iteration of it. You know, the origin story on the island for maybe five bucks or something like that in a Steam Sale a couple weeks ago. Couldn't resist that. Uh, read good things about it. That looks like fun. Bioshock again, that creepy, eerie, mysterious, you know, underwater mystery type deal. That looks like fun. And found a cheapo version of Metroid Prime. I have no idea what that's about. Some kind of space saga again. I've heard good things. It's had multiple sequels. Uh, the thing is, you know, these top-of-the-line games from a couple years ago, <laughs> they're good enough for me. Um, you know, I don't need the latest and greatest out. And it's so great to be able to pick something up for for 5 to 15 bucks that originally comes out for 60 to 75 you know. I can't keep up with these games. I don't have enough time to play them all. So finding something that's two or three year old, two, two or three years old, is just fine for me. As always, the issue is time, and Steam. Steam's an issue. Those sales they come up with. But uh, uh, you've heard the list that I went through. Um, let me know if you've played these games, and if so, what's your favorite? What should I play next? If enough people vote in and and pick the same title, uh, I'll prioritize it, and I'll let you know what what I think. All right, that is enough of that. Let's get back to Lotro. The next beacon is Callanhad. Callanhad today, I thought I'd take a minute to talk about some of uh, a new segment. Uh, we're going to be start doing, upon occasion, uh, new top ten lists in the game. And for the inaugural top ten list in Callanhad. I thought we'd talk about some of my favorite Lotro NPC greetings in the game. 
All right. I know you all know these. You've probably heard them a hundred times, <laughs> if not more. Okay, so which NPC says this? How can I be of service? <laughs> How can I be of service? One of my favorites. How about this one? You ever hear a ranger say, Our mission is dire. <laughs> okay, I'm cracking myself up because my impression's so terrible. Our mission is dire. The mission's always dire. Jesus. Everything's an emergency with these guys. How about this one? Uh, number eight. The Oak Gwirad requires us to give welcome to the Vodiad. If I had a nickel for every time I heard that. Okay, number seven. You are ill-equipped to venture into Khazadum. Yeah, I know I'm ill-equipped. Yeah, even if I have six pieces of Radiance gear, you'd say I was ill-equipped. Number six. Sweet-eyed Melon. <laughs> uh, from your favorite Elf Lorian babe. Number five. One of my personal favorites. By Durin's beard, won't you give me a moment? <laughs> Number four. I've not seen your kind before. Doesn't matter how many times you talk to the guy. Obviously, he's got short-term memory loss. Number three. Tell me what you want or leave me be. There are a lot of surly NPCs in the game of Lotro. Number two on the friendlier side. Those softy elves. May Govanen. Once again, let's hear that. Guest elf. May Gavanen. Okay. And number one, you may have heard it on another podcast. Hey ho, Mary Do. Until next time. Okay, that last piece was re recorded without permission from Lotro players. Um, so they'll probably be suing me sometime soon. Uh, with that. We are at Miller time. I mean, uh, Halfirian. The seventh beacon. That brings us to the end of the ninth episode of Light the Beacons. My apologies to Lindsey Buckingham that we did not have time to hear from him this go-round, but I am hoping he can join us for the next show. Lindsey? Come on, Lindsey. Come on. Come on, Lindsey. Yeah, okay. I would love to hear your plaudits, feedback, rants, diatribes, and most of all, your constructive critique. You can contact me at bragsonofbalan at gmail.com. That's brag with two A's. The second A stands for apathy. On Facebook at bragsonofbalan, Twitter at bragsonofbalan, or my website at lightthebeacons.com where you can post comments directly on the podcast. I kindly request you to take the time to create an iTunes review if perhaps you are so inclined. I would very much appreciate it. I officially have five reviews. Uh, many thanks to BraxFan303 who allowed me to become officially rated on iTunes. Quite a milestone for the podcast and a big thank you to all the viewers out there. Yeah, I, I know. It's, you know, not exactly, well, you know what I'm saying. But uh, BraxFan said, uh, I have a great show that is witty comments about the game. Pulled the wool over that guy's eyes. Feels like a combination of several Lotro podcasts. That's because I rip off everybody I talk to. Taking the best parts from each one. Exactly. If you can't create, then you should plagiarize. I always say let nothing evade your eyes. Just plagiarize. Uh, getting back to his review. He also mentions, uh, I add extra flair. Just like in Office Space. Extra flair for everybody. 
Truly amazing that a show this good can come to Lotro this late in the game. Great job, Bragg. Thank you, Braxfan303. Really appreciate it. Uh, makes me feel good about what I'm doing since I'm so insecure. And uh, again, Celebramos. If your comments elucidate a reaction, I will try to include them next podcast or at least respond in some way. And I do thank you again. So I hope you laughed either at or with me. I hope you might have learned at least a little something you didn't know before, perhaps looked at the game with a slightly different perspective. And most of all, I hope you enjoy your time this week in Middle Earth. This is Bragg, son of Balin, signing off. Baruch Kazad. And remember, when the chips are down, you just ran all of Karn Doom and realized you never found the Witch King's watch to complete the enemy stronghold deed. Don't despair. Light the beacons. See you guys out in Gondor. <laughs>